coming to you from the KUCI headquarters in sunny Irvine, California. It's half past five with Paxton Wright. Tonight's guest, the developer behind the upcoming indie game, The Friendship in Ring. Featuring an original track from the game composed by Javier Gramajo. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Paxton Wright. How are you doing today, ladies and gentlemen? I wanna I wanna thank once again our terrific announcer. Uh, his name's Glenn. Uh, for just as always, knocking it out of the park on that intro. Thanks again, Glenn. Of course. Uh, so you guys are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in week after week, keeping the sails of this ship of this show flying high. Now, I also want to say, if you are a fan of the show and you want to let me know uh, how much you love it, how much you love me, or if you're not a fan of the show and you want to let me know how much you hate my guts and uh, don't care for the cut of my jib, there's a way to reach out. Oh, yes. You can email me at paxtonwright at kuci.org. That is P-A-X-T-O-N-W-R-I-G-H-T at K-U-C-I dot O-R-G. Now... Let's waste no more time and get right to the the meat of this episode. I think I made that same analogy last week, but we're going with the meat analogy again. Let's get to the meat of this episode, and that is my interview with the developer behind the upcoming indie video game, as you heard in that intro, The Friendship. That man's name is Ian Ring. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing terrific. Now... You can attest to this. We actually did this interview a couple of days ago. Um, we we went yeah. through the whole song and dance, and then midway into editing today, I was you know I was, it was flying along, it was going stupendous, and then uh, all of a sudden the file just gets completely corrupted. Yep, that's right. Uh, I was just doing a little homework, and then I get a call from him saying. Hey, Ian, uh, funny thing. That's exactly how I sound. <laughs> yeah. Continue, exactly. Ian. Okay. So the thing is that the audio file get all messed up because of computers. Could you come probably this week, preferably tonight? That'd be great. Thank you. Folks, it's true. It's exactly <laughs> what happened. But uh, Ian was kind yeah. enough to come and uh, re-record this interview with us. So not nah, anytime. I live like 20 minutes away, so it's not bad. You're a saint, Mr. Ring. Uh, and let's see if we can capture lightning in a bottle twice in a row. Let's I think see we're we already off to a good start. Replicate the magic of the, uh, that uh, interview. So uh, tell us a bit about the game. It's called uh, The Friendship. Yes, uh, The Friendship is essentially a two-player co-op uh, RPG. And so... Boiling it down, there's there's an interesting twist to the, the two-player mechanic of it, if you want to... Yes, there is a twist. So, essentially, you uh, both players are in a rowboat, and you both need to coordinate your inputs in order to move around the world and interact with the uh, NPCs, objects, and anything. So, for example, say I was player one. Uh, I'm sorry, do you want to be player one? I'll, I'll be... Oh, thank you, Ian. Yes, this... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm always oh, player one. Anytime. Uh, so say you are player one and I am player two. Uh, so <laughs> we both need to do our inputs forward in order to go forward in a 2D space. Well, technically, I think it's like 2.5D. It's, it's like yeah. an overhead bird's eye. Overhead bird's eye view. But it's, yeah, I, I can say that 2.5D. <laughs> uh, both of us need to coordinate our movements together. So in order to go forward, we both need to press forward. In order to go backwards, we both need to uh, press backwards. And this 
pressing forwards and backwards is the left stick going forward is going up and down right yeah and that's one of the really cool things about this game when you were telling me about it because to be clear the game's still in an early stage right now oh it's still in very early stages right yeah it's i mean it's gonna be a, a hot minute before the thing hits but it will hit and so i haven't been able to play it just yet but watching it uh one of the really cool things is that it is, and we, we touched on this uh, in the interview the other day, but the fact that it is such a simple mechanic that could just work as like a fun party game, but you are adding so many more deeper elements. No, to it. yeah. Actually, it was like a few weeks ago, was, I, I was kind of at a crossroads because when, when recording the video to send to you, I saw, I looked at it and like, oh my goodness, I could probably just make a game out of this and just make it like a simple mobile game. But on the other hand, I kind of wanted to do a little bit more with it than just to keep it from being just a regular mobile game. There's nothing wrong with regular mobile games. I love my solitaire on my phone. But, you know, I just feel like I could do more with it. Yeah. Yes. And so that's why, I mean, you're implementing RPG elements. uh, That's role-playing games. It's the Final Fantasies that your annoying neighbor keeps talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, Greg, won't shut up about Final Fantasy 15. We know, Greg, they canceled the DLC. Oh, my goodness. We heard you. So yeah, you're you're implementing these really unique mechanics to it to make it a more a more deep game. You have a really cool inventory system. You have uh, a lot of lore and story to it. The artwork behind the game is beautiful. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Alyssa Saylor and uh, John uh, Oppenheimer and uh, Harold Blake have all been doing such a fantastic job helping me with the art. And I was, I mean, I was looking at, I mean, what you have right now. There's, uh, like I said, you know, really cool world building. This is radio, so we can't obviously roll a slideshow or anything but but use your imagination and picture some very fun looking walrus people uh some otter people dolphin people you, uh, but with a with a very uh, nice kind of aesthetic to them and a lot of character just in their look so it makes me really excited to see what you have in store for us with the game definitely yeah i'm a, i'm very excited to show anything that whatever develop comes whatever comes up I'm yeah i was excited to show people and you were also saying that you have a pretty unique uh, inventory management system, too. Tell us yes, about that. Yes, that is correct. So let's just say as you, player one. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I get the good controller. You get the good controller. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, so say you press the inventory button like you would in any kind of RPG or RPG game. So since you press the button, you get control of the inventory. So it'll be inventory screen and a little little boxes on the bottom that is essentially your slots of which you can just throw anything out. Right. So you select whatever you want to put into that inventory, uh, those little slots, and then say, oh, but I want to put these... Uh, I want to put these rocks into my slots. Then you'll be like, oh, no problem, boo. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I generally call you. But, but uh, continue, boo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you have to press a button to give con- uh, control over to me for the inventory. Okay, so- yes. It's similar to like uh, like Resident Evil 5's inventory mechanic, but not horribly broken. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so that way you can get a good visual at home, uh, whoever's listening. Uh, imagine there's a backpack on the floor. And Paxton is the first one to pick up that backpack, and he just takes whatever he wants and just shoves it in his pockets. And then, but then I so classic man, so classic you, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but then I say, hey, I want, so I want to take some things out of the backpack. So then you have to hand the backpack over to me, and then I put whatever I want in my pockets, and then we just leave the backpack back on the floor, right. and then we just do our own thing, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds fun too because it's uh, like as I was saying, you know, this game. It works on two levels. It works as a full-on narrative fun story with a lot of lore to it, and it also works as a fun uh, little party game. Uh, so, and like, and that 
is is a prime example of the the party nature of it. You can I, I can picture it now. The heated arguments over no no I need the I need the chicken with pulley. I that was a Monkey Island reference in oh, yeah. 2019. But yeah, I need that. No, what are you doing? Don't take that from me. I need the health potion. But like that's. It's it's classic and there's yeah, a like, lot of yeah like we're arguing like okay it's my turn with the inventory I need it now right yeah a lot of friendships are gonna be made and a lot of friendships are gonna be broken over this game and I hope you're ready to have that weight on your shoulders I'm 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 very much ready <laughs> okay well I'm glad to hear it uh, and actually speaking of the the party mechanics there was one pretty specific game which was sort of the core driving influence on this originally from a base level uh, if you want to tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so back in my undergraduate school, where actually I met Paxton for the first time because we were roommates. Good old CCC. Ooh. Columbia College, Chicago. Oh, I miss it. Anyway, so uh, I play, I'd play Overcooked with my with my group of friends after you abandoned me to come yeah. back to California. I did. Which is, I, probably, be- which is probably better. I was, my, 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 my brittle bones couldn't take those winters, baby. No, no, I mean, they boo. got worse. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. But anyway, so I'd play Overcooked with them all the time, and I always have fond memories of uh, all of my friends talking together and coordinating, having to pass along these food trays and just leaving fruit, the food trays on the floor. Yeah, right. And that was just that was one of the key core feelings that I was tr- that I'm trying to uh, uh, encapsulate in this game. Right. It's it's taking that feeling and building off of it into a a bigger game on top of that. No, oh, yeah. The party elements with the elements of a full-fledged RPG too. Yes, exactly. It's a great idea. I kind of shocked it hasn't really been done sooner. No, oh, yeah, so I'm surprised too. It's it's cool, man. I'm excited to see it. But uh, we should also mention that this isn't the first game that you've actually developed. You you have a pretty extensive library under your belt at this point. No, yeah. Uh, back in uh, Columbia, uh, I pat uh, during yeah, I had to do I had to work on a, a couple capstone projects. First was uh, Toasted, which is which was essentially a surprise, a uh, wave based zombie beat 'em up game. But that turn ended up being very, very bad because I, at the time, I didn't know too much programming. Right. So, and I was the only it programmer a, on the team. It was an inspired idea, though. No, yeah. No, yeah. Based zombie shooters, but let's not mention, let's not neglect the most important part: uh, playing as a marshmallow. Exactly, playing as marshmallow and uh, fighting off burnt marshmallows. But, but, uh, yeah, but. Um, it's a it's the wells run dry on the marshmallows fighting burnt marshmallows genre. You exactly. should have known from the start. It was exactly, doomed. yeah. It, it <laughs> like my technical skills went run up to level. So the next semester after that, we decided to make another game, but just much simpler and much stripped down, which was a ready ready action driver, which turned out to be really good. I was surprised, honestly. And you had some pretty <clears throat> big response on that. No, yeah, definitely. Thought. So during the summer, I just figured I'd submit it to the rookies, which is a student game competition that one of my professors suggested that we uh, all enter in. And by some miracle, we got nominated for best uh, PC game. But unfortunately, we didn't win because uh, we lost to a game that probably had more people working with them. Right. Yeah, but, you know. Just another one of those zombie marshmallow shooters. Actually, I think it was more like (laughs) it was more of a narrative driven story. And it was really and it looked really pretty, but I didn't know what the game was. Right. I mean, but regardless, I mean, you—that's you had your work recognized on a on a nationwide level. That's oh, really yeah. exciting. No, yeah, I was very excited just to be nominated because it's my first little chance of like, oh my goodness, all the hours that I spent coding uh, the project just finally paid off. 
and the uh, the game looked cool too. It was uh, it was sort of a I like the way I described it. it was like sort of a cross between the Tron light bikes uh, and Super Mario Galaxy physics, like no, yeah. on a on a sphere. Yeah, actually, I wasn't the uh, designer on either of those. I'm actually the designer on the Friendship, but I was the main programmer. Yeah, right. yeah, I was the main programmer on both. Yeah, but even then, I mean, getting to a program, uh, and I know, Mark, you remember you said in our last interview that a lot of that programming wasn't as difficult as one might think because it was a lot of you know just applying the knowledge that you would learn in school and and YouTube tutorials, etc., to make it happen. But it's still the the physics of that game are really impressive. Like I said, you're working on a 3D sphere doing that uh, that Tron light bike mechanic, like, and and it it's fun. It's not a complete cluster f no know? yeah yeah uh one of my teammates uh over the over the winter break pretty much went online and said like hey i found this uh tutorial online about planet physics essentially we should make a game a game out of this and then he suggested what is essentially just the tron on a on a shrinking sphere right yeah. it's it works and uh on top of that you know it, it gets me thinking so of course this is the first time you're designing and developing a game your head honcho on this project the the friendship yes um but, I mean, you have experience working on other games in a, in a major capacity, mainly as programmer and uh, level designer on... Yeah. Um, Ortho-ISO. On Ortho-ISO, which we'll get to that in a second, because I do want to talk about that game as well. But you have this experience under your belt. Uh, what carried over in helping you feel more prepared for a project like The Friendship, where now there's so much more on the line? And what new conflicts have come with that as well? Well, I think just the fact that I've worked on teams before and just making a game was already inst- is already like very valuable because I kind of get a feel of scope of what I can do with what I have versus what I'm just dreaming in my head. Mm-hmm. So I think working on those projects, I kind of have a better sense of scope in my head of what I can and cannot do. And uh, I'm sorry, what was the other question again? And so, yeah, so you were prepared in that, but then also... Uh, what new conflicts arose as a result? What right. were some problems that came up being right, like, right, oh, right. this is all on me? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just say essentially just the fact that it's all on me. Right. Uh, I have so many decisions to make, and all in this minor decision could have. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that, was <laughs> a, that was a big boy belch. Boy. Yeah, you're gonna have another counter again, yeah. like last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. the last the last episode, the one you unfortunately will never get to hear. Uh, we decided to have a, uh, a belch counter because we're we're toddlers uh, yeah. at this show. But uh, yeah, belch counter. That was one. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's see if we can go through. Uh, but uh, no, yeah. What I'm starting to learn is that it's all on me and any kind of minor decision that now will have serious, rep- uh, serious repercussions later. And uh, there are just so many of those decisions. It's, just, it's always the little things that I think make up a game. And right. I have to make all those little decisions, right? Of what I of what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Should I add this? Should I should I not add this? Right. It can be a lot of times, but you know, I probably wouldn't have it any other way. And Ed, now that you are, um, you have a team working under you. You're the uh, the uh, Kojima, as it were, on this project. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, there's you're you're decidedly lacking in Norman Reedus presence in your games. No, no. No Norman Fetus, unfortunately. <laughs> One of these days you'll get him. But uh, in that in that sense, though, 
do you find yourself really open to a lot of collaboration and open to ideas and and bouncing off ideas with your team or do you have a pretty clear vision of what you want and you have people work off it somewhere in the middle i mean i'm as i say somewhere in the middle where i have a very i have a very uh clear vision of what i want but on the other hand i don't want to be a george lucas type where everyone's just afraid to uh say no to me right i need people on my team that are just aren't aren't afraid to say you know this might not be a good idea or you know this might might not be this not might not be feasible right. or whatever but uh it's also i mean coming off of that that uh sentiment so it's got to be well we know it is uh, if, even if you're joe blow and you don't really keep up with video games uh you know it, it's we are now living in this very uh you know i'm a broken record here but this diy era mm. of artists who you know normally it, 10 years or more ago would have had a significantly harder time getting exposure for their work. Now uh, musicians can go on SoundCloud uh, and and put their stuff out there. Uh, filmmakers can go on YouTube or Vimeo, put their stuff out there. Even even game developers who uh, game makers who don't uh, have the necessarily education for it can go into things like RPG Maker and make a completely like grunt video game. Of course, it's RPG Maker. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's without limited. It's, yeah. not without its faults, but it's still that it's that idea that now anyone can go and do a thing like but like i don't have to apply for uh k-rock to have a show work my way up the k-rock ladders not no no disrespect to k-rock but you know i can i can do this here at, at this radio station i can upload a podcast i have a way to get my voice out there to the masses and it's it's a really exciting time for that that being said what are some of the pros and cons do you think of coming into that world that is simultaneously way more accessible and probably way more competitive than ever. Yeah, so it's definitely extremely competitive. If uh, I'm not sure if the people listening at home have are aware of Steam. It is the largest uh, repository of uh, PC games on the planet. And the process to get into that is very low. You, don't, you just have to pay them like 10, 10, 20 bucks and you're automatically on the store. But the problem is that so many people do that and there are so many games out there and it just becomes flooded with so many games with so many games that if you're not on the front page you're not making any money right yeah but uh you know i think that if your game is unique enough and isn't just the same isn't just a match 3 game on steam i think you'll probably and if you're and if you market it right or starting with small steps like being on this radio show Duh. Uh, it's, this, it's the small it's, steps you're going to be a star kid. yeah it's uh but no uh i think you pretty much i think it's the small steps to get it first recognized get the word out of the game and then and then you'll get a following hopefully hopefully you get like some sort of following out there and then then you can announce like hey this game's going to be on steam if you want to play it right. and give me money right <laughs> and it's uh it's interesting because you know it it i remember really seeing that in 2012 as a personal anecdote 2012 2013 ish it was shortly after like i know you're not a big horror person but it was shortly after amnesia the dark descent came out Ah, and slender came out and there was this i guess what you'd call like a renaissance of horror games um and we were getting banger after banger of horror games that was you know we, we had like i said slender uh we had um five nights yeah of course there's of course it's you know it's a it's the it's a a punchline to jokes now but really at the time five nights at freddy's was a big deal when it first came out it was a pretty 
uh, uh, innovative game. Mm. Um, and, and you had so many others uh, that was just coming out week after week. I'm scared, a lot of them. Uh, but <laughs> I remember it was so exciting at first, and then I realized, oh, my goodness, in order to find the quality, you have to sift through so many people just trying to make their own version of Slender mm. over and over and over again. And it was it was interesting because you could find there were real diamonds in the rough. There were some brilliant developers out there doing some great work, but on the same token, yeah, it was just such a such a competitive pool out mm. there for a lot of people who didn't put a ton of effort in. Oh yeah, and it's it's especially hard today because right. like like I said before, anyone could get on just if you just pay twenty bucks. Right. But if it succeeds, it really succeeds. It really takes off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean that's what um games like games like Undertale did. Yeah. You know, that that was That was all made by one guy. Yeah. And it ended up being a lot of reputable sources consider it one of the best games of the tens mm. and it's one dude made a game on his own time for free yeah and uh, hollow knight i think that was named back to like two people in australia yeah i mean it's so that's i mean it's got to be really exciting to know that i mean, very possibly the, the friendship could be the next undertale yeah it's, it's and very not, much yeah and uh like very much like hollow knight you can get all the dollar reduce Right. <laughs> hey. $900 reduce. <laughs> yeah, it's a Simpsons reference. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll just have a coffee. Right. One beer it is. Um, that was yeah. another Simpsons Oh, I missed the Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This can't just become the Simpsons reference show yeah. as much as I would love it to be. Um, but that being said, we kind of already talked about it with, uh, with, uh, Overcooked. Um, yeah. but what other games, new or old, uh, the friendship or otherwise it really inspired you to do this? Uh, overcooked, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but uh, actually, it was shortly after the interview, we went out just to get a little drink and some food, and you are talking about Friday the 13th, the game. Right. And I started to dig a little deeper into that, and I realized that there's a lot, and you were talking about it, and I realized, like, yeah, I can actually get, take a lot of inspiration from this game. Right. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in, in what ways? Well, essentially, like... Uh, all the objects are randomized, correct? Right. Yes, and uh, everyone needs to find out and like and uh, find these objects by like saying like I have this and I have that. Right. And uh, that and it's it, and it harkens back to uh, an idea I had a, l- a little while ago where there would be some sort of crafting system where it's essentially where essentially I, I have one object, you have another object selected in that little uh, immediate slot, and we both press a button, and it makes a new object that goes into the inventory, but. I was thinking that that's probably just putting a hat in on a hat and it's just making everything... It's just adding co- complexity where there shouldn't be any complexity. Sure. It. Yeah. Sure. But, uh, I mean, even then, like... Yeah, and, and to be clear for listeners who aren't really in the loop on it, like, the Friday the 13th game is... It's a it's a multiplayer horror game where uh, to, make, to give you the real uh, just meat and potatoes of it, uh, seven players are that's two uh, seven players are uh, assigned as uh, uh, camp counselors and one is assigned as Jason Voorhees like from the Friday the 13th movies and uh, those counselors have 20 minutes to try and survive without getting the literal axe from Jason uh, and they have to do that by collaborating mm. so your headset is a must it's it's communication with others is is key in order to your survival so you can mm. find ways of escape uh, uh, ways of self-defense. It's really it's it, it, and so that that's what you're saying is is really channeling that that sense of collaboration. That's still something I'm trying to figure out where I have to do one thing and you have to do another thing and we have to coordinate uh, us doing that thing. 
Right. Yeah. And so I guess I'll I'll leave it on this because we we don't have much time left. But I'll ask what was the this is going to get a little profound, but what was the was there a moment or a, a game you played or a singular experience where you went, I want to make video games. This is what I want to do. Uh, honest, uh, I'd say it's probably around high school where it was kind of like at that point where everyone's deciding where they want to go to school, where they, what they want to do with their lives. And so far, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And then I found Columbia, and then I found about game that you can actually go to school for game design, which I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. So me and my mom went, uh, did the regular college tour thing where I, I visited SCAD, I visited DePaul, I visited Columbia, where I eventually ended up and met you. Right. And uh, yeah, that's, ha- that's how I got started. And uh, I developed my, affi- my uh, love of making games from at Columbia. And now I'm taking it to the next level, uh, going to school at LCAD. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laguna College, College of, of Art and Design. Yes. Right, that's right. Yeah, and that so that's what um, the friendship is for. It's yes. It's a- this is my thesis project essentially, where I need to create something that is that contributes to the art of video games itself. Right. Well, it seems like you're well on your way to do that. Um, before we go, uh, real quick, if if anyone's interested in following. Uh, your process making the game or just anything about what you're doing in your career at all where can they uh where can they keep up with you yeah uh so i have a personal portfolio website which is just iansdesign.com you want to spell that out uh i-a-n-s uh design.com right and uh i believe that's also my twitter handle as well so if enough people follow me i'll follow me i'll start posting stuff and updates and thoughts about uh, game industries and such great so that's uh at ian's design and iansdesign.com now uh just before we go here uh we're gonna close out with a song from the composer for the game uh javier gramajo mm-hmm. um and it's the song is untitled at the moment but it will likely be used somewhere in the game soundtrack correct? yes it'll likely be uh implemented in the game with some minor tweaks every now and then right yeah but uh yeah you can expect to hear more from javier uh come uh come, come uh may 2020 that's right. when the that's when i need to have it ready for a thesis defense right well may of 2020 guys keep your eyes out for the friendship and uh maybe ian will have you back on the show no uh, yeah i'd love to, to the yeah we'll have we'll, applebee's great <laughs> let's another. do it yeah that's that's one thing that didn't make it to air from uh the earlier interview we had a long discussion about applebee's so you guys clearly missed a lot with uh that first one but oh well we'll always share that memory Ian. we will all right all right and thanks so much for coming on anytime <laughs>